This episode is sponsored by Safety, a violence prevention app that could save your life. Now, I want to be very clear that no app is a silver bullet and in a violent situation, you might freeze, your nervous system might take over, or you might really love your attacker and not feel like you could push a panic button. There are many types of responses that you might have when experiencing violence. However, you want to have the option to be able to panic if you need to. And what do I mean by that? So the Safety app has a panic button that you can press and it will immediately start taking photos of your selfie camera and your back camera, collect your GPS and audio and send that data to three emergency contacts. To download the Safety app onto your phone is completely free if you are just using the panic button and you can try out some of their other features for 28 days as well. It's on Apple and Android and the links to do so are in the show notes for this podcast episode. Once again, I want to say a big thank you to our friends at Safety. Hello, this is the Fight Back Podcast hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Berry. Here, you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard. Martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Danielle, welcome to the Fight Back podcast. Everyone, I am here today with Danielle Salba. She is the founder of Boxing Therapy and ready for anything. Uh, Danielle, welcome to the Fight Back podcast. Thank you so much. This is super exciting. (laughs) Tell everyone, including me, a little bit more about you. Where did you start? How did you get here? Who are you? Okay, so who am I and how did I get here is an awesome question because this work is like my dream and my baby and clearly from when I was a kid. Um, So I live in Israel, which is the home of Krav Maga, which is kind of like a self-defense that's really all about values and protecting oneself. Um, But I got into this sphere because my life dream was to be either a family therapist or a social worker. Um, And I did that for about 15 years, pretty like straight um, traditional therapy for teenagers, adults. Um, And then along the way, had a lot of drama cases, specifically girls. Um, And I just realized that there was something so missing. Um, And I myself was kind of starting to train in Krav Maga for my own protection because I was running street, like street teams. We were kind of like on these really cool streets in the middle of the night looking for teenagers who spoke English and who were needing help. And um, so I was training myself for protection and realized, oh, my God, there's something that we can be putting into this therapy. How do we do this? And this was like way long ago. Um, But since then, I've kind of just been collecting different uh, modalities that can that can help people grow and learn and really on the martial arts side. So that was a little intro. Um, Yeah. So what has that evolved into now? So what does the boxing therapy program kind of look like? Okay. So, okay. So yeah, I'm going to start kind of at the end a little bit, and then maybe we can backtrack a little bit about the building blocks, which are really important. Love it. So currently right now, when I say boxing therapy, 
Um, I'm kind of using the term kind of similar to way someone to the way someone might say art therapy or psychodrama, where the the method or the techniques become part of all of the tools, the way that we understand a person and assess, the way that I help people process. Um, so similarly to someone who would come in with you know, to an art therapist and the person is saying, let's sit down, let's draw a house, a tree and a, you know, and a person. And, and we're using that. I, I will have someone come in and within the session, we're going to right away, you know, I, I brought my pads just to kind of hold them up here. We're going to right away, we're going to go in and out of where, you know what, stand up, I'm going to teach you how to do a jab cross. And we're going to express ourselves and move. And that's going to be part of hold on, what does it feel like when I ask you, you know, let's start this session. How would it feel to stand up and, and give me a punch in these gloves? When I even ask that question, that's almost a similar question to, how does it feel to take this first step to come to therapy? So the idea that I'm putting it in with kind of art therapy or psychodrama is just, I'm hoping a little bit of an education tool for people that the session might look almost exactly the same as a traditional talk therapist, only I'm interweaving into it Boxing and Krav Maga, which is really um, a self-defense, a way for someone to know that whatever situation they're in, they can be empowered and can be their best self. So that's what kind of my work is on the individual basis. And I'm applying these same tools within groups and using it for group therapy. So which is kind of where it started, right, where I did my first pilot without even realizing of martial arts and, and groups. But so that's kind of like what this looks like um, with a lot of different types of just like therapy has, you know, an open group for people who relate all on trauma, and people can come and go or a closed group for people who relate, you know, on PTSD, for a specific, you know, they were exposed or sexually in some way. And there's a closed group that every week we meet. So the same way therapy has different kind of um, structures to help different people. I do the same thing with boxing therapy um, with the hope and the dream that it'll be fully researched like art therapy or any other, you know, recreational therapy starting. Um, but so that's kind of that's that's where it's at right now. They're all so different. This is the, to me, beautiful thing about people running martial arts therapies is that that no two look the same, not just that they're doing different martial arts. You know, someone might be doing boxing and then you're kickboxing and you're doing jujitsu or whatever it might be, but that everyone has a little bit of a different flavor. I haven't heard too many people that include talk therapy with their martial arts therapy. That's quite unique to at least anyone that I've had on the show thus far. So can you talk a little bit more to that? Let's start with on an individual basis. Uh, I will. What, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so it's a perfect first question because it's kind of how the idea like went like it was like an exploding amazing moment. Um, and it was actually I can't even take credit for it. It was the client of mine years ago who came to me um, really just for the boxing com component, because in order for me to really feel comfortable putting these together, after, you know, a couple masters in therapy and working, I, I fully trained as a personal trainer, um, as well as a boxing and Krav Maga instructor and was doing that work pretty solely focused on the physical gains. I mean, you can't take out the mental, the mental health impact, even as a coach like that, which you know, but, um, but I was working with an individual who had had an extremely traumatic birth experience. Won't go into so many details, but I wasn't responsible for her mental health. She had had a therapist on the side and actually she was using an EMDR therapist, 
which is a, a therapy, you know, a somatic type therapy with distraction, really for trauma. And in the middle of one of our boxing sessions, she's going back and forth and she's feeling empowered and her whole body is getting healthier. And all of a sudden she's like, you know, it's so funny that this back and forth is just like we do in EMDR where the mind is going, right? Your eyes are following back and forth. There's left and right brain. I don't want to pretend that I understand it as deep as I really would like to one day, but it was like this moment and we were talking in it and, and boxing. And I was thinking like, oh my God, I literally looked at her. I'm like, you're a genius. Like why? If, if we can have our endorphins raised and our serotonin high and get the, get the same like type of distraction, they call it, there's a lot of different things with EMDR, but, and, and be able to rewire our mind because we're talking about an experience in a whole new way. What can that do? So that was years ago. And I know you're asking like, what, you know, what is this talk therapy part of it? But it's so important how it started because I realized then that all the moments in between the boxing were more powerful than I had realized. So at that time when I wasn't offering it as a therapy, but I was seeing clients and all different ages and kids, and they were learning how to be empowered physically, the middle of it when we were like, well, what happened last week? And let's say a kid was saying, you know, well, you know what? The bully said this and I actually ran the other way for the first time. Next time I'm going to turn around and stand strong. But this time I ran like those little in, inner moments that were rewiring so much we're so much more important. So that's kind of where this talking part got started. And so all along, I've been seeing this therapy as both a complete somatic therapy, the way yoga might use trauma informed yoga or any sensory type, um, you know, EFT, anything that uses body scanning. And I don't know. So since the beginning, I've kind of seen this as a really together approach. If well, I'm ever rambling, stop me and, and go in there because I'm so passionate. I, it's good. I, it's good. And just as you were talking, my mind lit up because I thought of something that I suppose I haven't thought too much about because I'm not a therapist, right? So my sessions are very different to yours, but which was that when you stress the brain by making it make errors, that is the number one instigator for neuroplasticity, right? When you are trying to learn a language and you make mistakes, that's what causes your brain to go, oh, we're making mistakes. We've got to change something. Let's rewire some synapses here, right? Right. Let's rearrange our structure a little bit. And I, as you were saying that, I was like, oh my God, when you're making mistakes in boxing, you're priming mm -hmm. your brain to be plastic, to change, and then think about how you perceive the world and yourself in it differently. Do you experience that with clients? It is so beautiful how you just worded that because yes, I do experience that, but the neuroplasticity in that way, I have, I have not thought of it in that way. So right on with the way you just phrased that. And yes, I really do believe that I experience that. And a lot of times the way I've focused and maybe why I haven't gone as far into what you're saying is when people are boxing, the first thing is I can't do this well. I'm not good at it. I just, you know, when we do jab, cross, hook, uppercut, just to give a little spice and the mind has to focus on it. Someone might do jab, cross, hook, hook and be like, oh my God, I did it wrong. And I'm like, there is no wrong. You protected a different part of your body. Let's retry it and let's pick which one would we, which one do you want to do right now? Are we going to do jab, cross, hook, hook or jab, cross, hook, uppercut? Because that was the initial. And I focus so much on the fact that people feel like they should be doing better all the time. There's those shoulds. There's though, you know, and, and I love the way you just said that. Yes, I think that people really are getting a whole different rewiring because they get to be in the moment. Yeah. Bad at something almost, or 
you can't you can't hit every punch perfectly. But um, but what's going on underneath? I really want to think about that more. Actually, I'll yeah. send, I'll send you some I'll send you some stuff. I'll send you some research <laughs> off to the side. But yeah, yeah I, do, that that present piece is so important. Like so, go, keep going. Go. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, I'm I'm like careful how I talk about clients, and I know you as well. And but I just I have someone who really it comes to mind specifically that. Mm-hmm. There's just a constant, constant reel of negative, like negative self-talk is the only way I can put it in there. Like, you know, my foot was in the wrong place or I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. So my whole training's wrong. And I really see within a couple of minutes of what we're doing, it's like a, a the whole per- she just lights up. And I feel like exactly what you're saying. It's almost like she goes through that beginning, like the mind is like working on overtime, doesn't know what it's doing. And then all of a sudden feels that rhythm. And it's like, oh, and I and I feel like more can go in. And then we make mantras like, you know, I am sitting comfortably. That is a present tense. There's no I'm doing it right in the future. I am doing this now. I am punching that pad. So it, it becomes a rewiring right in the moment, actually. So, wow. Yes. Yes. A million times. <laughs> yes. And I think boxing, like pad work as an anchor to the present is so powerful because it takes so much of your concentration, you know, jab, cross, hook, uppercut. Well, if that's not programmed into your brain, like you've been doing boxing for years and years, like perhaps you and I have, if it's new, it takes so much of your attention to focus on that. There's not room for thinking I suck or tomorrow's going to be oh terrible God. or this happened to me five years ago. It's it's, there's only space for what happened here and now, whereas I think that the media and Instagram and, and everybody, right, says if you're feeling stressed, you should meditate. But for my clients, that's not possible. <laughs> right? Oh, my God, that drives me crazy, even for myself and knowing why I got into this field and why I actually found meditation while I was running for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, that's been my meditation. And I laugh as long as I'm moving and running. I found out that that EMDR was actually started like that, which is a whole other story. But yeah, if I were to say to any of my clients, we're going to sit and meditate and not have any of the grounding or priming or like, I I do use a lot of mindfulness, actually. Um, You know, it's very interesting. I'm going on a little tangent right now. But my program that I'm starting in America, the ready for anything one is completely guided by a therapy called D DBT therapy, mm-hmm. which is a spin-off of CB of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's dialectical behavioral therapy. And the whole first module and portion of it is mindfulness and is teaching people how to be aware of their body and how to come back. And so I'm using that because I do believe that when all of a sudden you're hitting the pads and you have that sound and it's new and it's it can be very alarming mm-hmm. and, and it can actually have that same triggering effect, which is why I think we know we need trauma-informed um, martial arts. But it's in that moment that all of those mindfulness or meditation skills that someone else might be able to just go, ah, I can calm my body. But in those moments with the with the mindfulness tools, we're teaching people that if while you're hitting, all of a sudden you feel like you're out of control and it's too much and that you can actually go <gasps> squeeze every muscle in your body, let's say, because sometimes we have to do that first before we can meditate, right? Sometimes we need the validation of all the tension and, and then we can get in a fight stance and breathe. And I use a lot of my hands and stuff, which I've learned from an amazing organization that I'd love to connect you with called Kids Kicking Cancer. And they use punching to express pain. But anyway, I really, 
the, the meditation part is hugely important, but within the form of how it can work in martial arts. And that's, and, and that's what I think is so important. So I don't even know the initial question, but about meditation, that's like, ah, it's so interestingly different in our field. <laughs> oh my gosh. hundred percent. And it sounds like you're really combining like CBT, I would say is quite a top down therapy. Whereas like the boxing therapy is just quite a somatic therapy. It's quite a bottom up. And I think that's so beautiful that you're kind of combining them in that way. And I know I'm using language that's maybe not familiar to everybody. So can you explain right. a little bit that? So what is a top down and what is a bottom up approach? Okay, I'm not sure if this is how you mean it, but when I hear that, I'm thinking more of a cognitive, of a of a mind type, like people who are really in their minds, the academic, the person who can always quote the next logical thing to say. It's like, how are you feeling today? I think I'm okay. You know, once you hear the word think instead of feel, you know you're coming from a top down. And therapeutic modalities that work with that, um, any of the evidence, not any, today we have a lot of evidence-based somatic ones, but you know, the ones that are basic talk therapy that ask people questions, we're, we're asking words. So we're going to incite in the mind words. We're going to, so people that can create stories about their lives and that's coming from the top down, the CBT and even, um, whatever, that's the cognitive part. Um, what I, what I see from the bottom up are the approaches that really take our bodies and, you know, maybe not first, but in, in, in the whole sphere. And, and with, with that, what happens hormonally in our bodies is very important. And I mean, take any girl, you know, like uh, for a whole week, we're like a totally different person every month. It's just the way it goes. Like we don't talk about that, but that's coming from the body. And if you have a job interview, when you're like in your least, your, your highest hormonal period day, and you're like, I feel horrible about myself. Like you might totally be a different person than the two weeks later when you're like, yeah, and that's just the body part. So the therapies that really work on that body part, it's where you're coming into, but that affects what you say right before the interview, which is like, oh, I'm going to be great in the interview because your body feels great. So the therapies that work from the bottom up, they might be having the same goal, which is for all of us to be as balanced and impactful as we can with our best self. But so I, I actually have always viewed, I think I'm going on a little bit of a ramble because I've seen people as so much of a whole person that when you say coming from top down or bottom up, I'm thinking like, it's all in our brain anyway. It's all right. Even our thyroid, even every system that gets set off, it's all happening here. So whether it happened because I physically took a therapy that said, you know, I'm going to do a, uh, you know, let's say type um, OT type stuff that really puts pressure. Like I'm actually hitting nerve endings that are going into my mind that are lighting up that are saying security right now safety maybe oxytocin is getting set off the same hormone when i when you nurse a baby or so that may be happening physically but our brain is doing the same thing that if a therapy said let's say in, in cbt you're changing your limiting beliefs so a minute ago you said i am worthless but now through the therapy you're saying i am worthy of love you might also feel safe and secure so i've always seen our human self as one and i think that's why with the martial arts it's like a no brainer top top down bottom up like we're going to go in there we're going to you know we're going to work on how you feel in that moment so you can think as clear as possible and make a choice 100% i hope i hope everyone <laughs> is following that this oh, which no. is which is what i think that something that sometimes happens on this show which is that just like 
myself and and whoever I'm talking with get really excited about these kind of like therapeutic models. But really, it's important for everyone to understand this, because like you said, if you're a woman listening to the show, most people are. But even if you're not, a lot of the time when we have a thought like I feel anxious it must be because we want to add story a lot of the time and a lot and sometimes not all the time sometimes that actually just comes from a habit or a feeling in your body that you picked up from somebody else because you're quite empathetic and that also can be a trauma response there's so many layers to why you might be feeling something today especially if that thing is negative uh, that can be from your body, from your hormones, from what you ate, from what you did, you know, because you didn't train today. I'm like that. If I've gone a couple of days without training, I will find reasons why everyone in the house has like done wrong to me and that, that like I need to be mad at them when it's really just I didn't go to training. You know, they haven't done anything differently. But our brain's very powerful at making us believe our story because it likes to add logic to things. And so, like you said, whether you're going in at the level of let's talk this through and let's redesign that story or at the level of, okay, let's hold our body, let's bring in some strategies for squeezing and releasing tension and, you know, activating and following through with our fight or flight response or like whatever that might be, it's uh, all arriving at the same destination, which is just that as, as annoying as it is to say, nothing is real, everything is in your brain. And and although it feels really real and like it absolutely deserves compassion because of that, whatever you're experiencing, know that at all these different levels, you can target the way you're feeling, feeling. Absolutely. I absolutely see it that way. A hundred percent. It's interesting because my kids, uh, they always know if I didn't find time to train as well. And I'm like, oh my God, is bedtime that different on a day? Like we're this many hours after I would have trained. Is it really? And it's so true. It's so interesting how much these things affect us. What is the plan for the new program? So you've developed these individual programs and now you've been doing some group work in Israel. Like what is, what is the next step in America, in Florida? Yeah, so I'm so excited. As I said, um, we're starting it on July 10th. So this has been a baby that we've kind of been creating uh, like in an incubator while it's been COVID. And now we can finally launch it in in live action. Um, So I have two goals kind of running at the same time. One is here in Israel, though, I am really trying to just have as much experience as possible with different types of clients that just to, to follow the, the responses. Um, you know, my, my results from last year, I always do surveys and stuff just cause I really want to keep this as research based as possible. Um, and so here in Israel, I'm trying to continue that and just new age groups are really what I'm focusing on. So that's happening here with these techniques and modalities. And I'm really hoping to start training other people who can, who, who can do these, these modalities. So here in Israel, I have one person who's learning it under me, who's more of a coach, um, because I believe that there's two tracks. There's the track for people who are in the gym already or boxing coaches who need to learn the trauma informed piece or the therapist part that need a new tool in their in their practice. So I have someone who is already starting to learn here more on the coach side and I want to have more people who can do it right here. And then while that's happening, my native language, as you see, is English, and I am from New York, and I did my master's in social work in New York, and I seem to gravitate towards the research piece in America because that's where my professors are, and I'm comfortable, and it was like a dream come true, and it almost doesn't seem real that this group in Florida 
was looking for a boxing therapy program and how we all came together. It's like God just said, here you go. We need to make this happen. Um, but so right now in Florida, the goal is to employ a, we have an eight week program um, called Ready for Anything. And it is, it is a combination of dialectical behavioral therapy and boxing intervention. And it is completely, I, I put this together as, as one therapy. So each week we're meeting for an hour um, and the kids in that hour, it's for teenagers, um, actually the first round at least that we're doing it for. And within this one hour, they're taken from the beginning, which is all about consent and boundaries and asking about starting, which I know you know in trauma-informed kickboxing. Um, so taking them from that into mindfulness and how to be aware of your body while you're going to go through this type of next hour experience right into boxing for physical and mental expression. And the idea is emotional outlets. So using this therapy model, which we'll just, you know, very quickly say is it's kind of about, um, they call it emotion regulation, which is really just a fancy word for when you feel really pissed, what are you going to do with it? Or when you feel really anxious, like, what are you going to do with it? Um, and of course, if there's trauma in there, a lot of times we don't have a choice what we do with our emotions. So when we say emotion regulation and in this hour, we're hoping to be allowing kids to or teens to box out those feelings and in the moment, see what it's like to really feel it, go through it, have an outlet. And then towards the end of the session, we're going to bring it back while we're stretching, while we're doing more mindfulness, meditation and awareness of the body and discussing what was it like? What was it like to push yourself when you said, I'm done, I don't want to box anymore because I, I pushed too much and then I did for 10 more seconds. What did that feel like? What have you learned about yourself? What? So this is the model each week is taking a specific skill that is hoping to hone in on an emotional regulation, now I can use that term, um, technique, um, and bring it back into the body and help people really be able to identify it and have more choices. And so it's going to run for eight weeks, um, hoping that there can be a continuation as well afterwards. We've kind of created a priming. Um, it's really our logo, which is really fun. And a friend of mine helped me make it. But we have this logo. It's I can show you maybe some maybe later. But um, it's two boxing gloves holding a heart. Um, and the idea is that through these eight weeks, seeing it, you know, often and knowing that when you look at that and when you do your breathing techniques, your your body starts to calm itself down, kind of getting used to that. Um, so that hopefully later on, whatever bracelet or thing, you know, they have with that little logo, it can almost be that, you know, if you're dissociating, if you're not in your body, in your chair and you're worried, you can bring it back to that. So the eight weeks, each week has a lot of a lot of um, emotional help and work and also the goal at the end to be able to have something and a lot of tools, but to really, you know, practice and, and stay connected in some way to a larger, a larger thing that's working on this. I love it so much. I'm so happy for you. I'm so excited that this is coming to even the States being such a huge country. Uh, there's some of this kind of work there. There's not nearly enough of it, especially given the trauma rates, which are, which are quite similar to here. And, and I really could say the same thing about Australia, but around the world, we need more people like you who are doing this kind of work because yoga is not for everyone, you know, like trauma sensitive yoga is not for everybody. Uh, some people like to hit shit. It's just like, it's how exactly. it is. And 
It totally. And you know what? I'm like, I'm, I'm like probably the biggest pacifist. Like I'm like a really peaceful person, but I have so much energy that for me, the hitting things isn't because I'm angry. Like people think that if you're, you know, you're supposed to be like in a rageful state and then you can get things out and like, no, it's actually an amazing feeling when you're just using your body. Even that hitting things kind of just creates that powerful feeling. And I think having energy and power is what allows any of us to do what we need, not just angry feelings or like, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I really like to talk about, because my background is in sports science um, and we talk Ooh. about a thing called the inverted U hypothesis, which is a really mm. fancy way of saying that as your arousal goes up, your performance in sport goes up to a point where it starts to go down because you get too hyper aroused. And if you think about the window of tolerance, it's a similar thing, right? If you're too low on that scale, right? You're hypo aroused, your sporting performance, if nothing else, it's not going to be very good. And you go into hyper arousal and you can't really do that well either. And so when you're hitting pads, if you're in this like super angry, hyper aroused state, one, you're contracting all of your muscles, your agonists and antagonists, which means you don't have as much power, right? You have more power if you hit with 90% intensity than 100% intensity. You don't have the cognition to make these micro adjustments about how to change your power, fix your distancing, these kind of things. And so we know that like when you self-regulate, like you said, right, you regulate your emotions, put yourself into a state where you're kind of in a happy medium. That's when you feel best on pads. And we're humans. We have big egos. I know I do. I like to look good and feel good on pads. So I'm constantly checking that to make sure that I'm doing well. I love that. I really appreciate how you just said it, because also just to clarify, um, in the States, the program is starting, we have heavy bags that we're using for the kids. And the reason I'm doing this is because I feel very comfortable when I hold my pads, my own work in my body and how I contain that punch. I've, I know I can do it. There's a lot of containment. I'm sure as you know, when someone's punching, that's going into this pad. It's like a, not just physically, but so the program in the States, we're using um, a gym called Rock Steady which offers, um, you know, boxing for Parkinson's and they are already set up for people to come in and hit instead of pads, but their own big heavy bag. Um, and we're going to have volunteers holding the bags themselves so that there's still the containment of the person behind it. But, but the participant is going to get to really have their own space. Um, and that's the idea that is more of the trauma informed that nobody's going to be punching at them. They're all on their own bag by session. I, I think it's five or six. Then we're pairing up participants because at that point, the goal also in dialectical behavioral therapy is interpersonal relationships is how do we figure out our own boundaries and how do we express our own needs and how do we have people in our space and grow and have support. And so the idea is that once there's trust built, because we want to kind of have that, like, you know, people trust right away. It's like, oh, you're my best friend. And sometimes that's helpful. But sometimes when there's trauma, that allows things to come out too quickly. And so so in this program, once there's a trust established that we feel we've been doing it a month and or more, and so then we're pairing people up and we're going to have the participants holding the bags so that we can play games like, you know, because in Krav Maga, we're going to teach them if someone grabs you on the waist, what do you do back? What's your what's your best case scenario move where you got the power and we do a lot of, but so we're going to have someone holding the bag and hitting it as if that's when they did their grabbing and then the person turning around and grabbing the bag and doing it on that so that they can experience the power but 
but not have the threat of anything coming at them and really feel the containment and support from the participants with that guidance. I'm hoping that that's going to really, I don't know, create a whole kind of con like containing environment, I would say, for all of that process happening. I love that. I love the creativity that comes out when people start to think, okay, we've taught people how to defend themselves in certain ways for so many years, but we haven't thought about how people feel when they're doing that. We haven't thought about applying that through the trauma-informed lens. Like, how can we get creative with that? And that's a perfect example. Like, having a big heavy bag hanging in between, yeah. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think I... You know what? It's funny. As far as the therapist, I'm so used to like self-disclosure being like this big bad thing. I have a lot of traditional therapy training and I'm feeling I'm feeling this freedom kind of come out as I be more creative with martial arts because I really do believe that a clinician or a helping professional, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a therapist or you've done this crazy, amazing work. I read your trauma research backing and I was really thankful the way you spelt it out. So wherever field we're coming from, how we see it is, I think our, I think a lot of it is who we are in it. And I think the fact that I am my own, my own past was, I, I decided to do this because I had my own teenage experience that said, you know, you're not strong, you know, there's something wrong with you. And I really felt that need. And I'm finding now as a clinician and a martial artist, artist that, that Krav Maga, that self-defense piece is what I'm appreciating giving over to someone and knowing that that's what helps me, that when I'm feeling whatever it is, my past traumas that's surfacing or coming up. I mean, I'm an adult now with kids and I still have to, you know, do this work here and there and go back and figure out where I'm being impacted. And, and for me, that place of expressing and boxing and, and the doing it from a powerful place as opposed to a, you're a damaged person, your inner child needs work or whatever things that they can have a positive spin. But somehow whenever I experience that myself or with other clients is like something happened to you that was bad. So, okay, maybe, but instead of that being the focus, you yourself have a power to process this. And I really appreciate that. And I, and I'm, I'm coming from my own place in it. And I, I think that's a value in whoever is that helping person and what they bring and their experience is, is a big part of it. Absolutely. The difference that different coaches can make in a martial arts setting is huge. And the human element, I think, is just, it's so beautiful that we get to bring and keep that in place. You know, I think even little things like using humor about your own experience with martial arts, uh, which we spoke about last episode of this podcast, uh, but also, you know, like talking about your experiences with learning or like not directly telling your story and getting to like that kind of a place. But I do, I do feel that it's kind of this uniting thing as well in that like, you know, if I'm holding pads for you, I'm not a passive person who's just sitting there listening or like even as a PT, I'm not someone who's just standing there watching you squat and be like, yes keep squatting you know which is yeah. like I, I love that work as well but uh I think there's something different where you you're very involved and for me even on zoom there was no point where like I've sat and just been like okay you're gonna do this for the next minute and then I stop oh. during the minute and just like stand and stare at the screen you know <laughs> I'm always in doing what I'm doing and I think that doing what everyone else is doing and I think that that's super cool about us working with people in martial arts is that it's like it feels more like leaning from the back, you know, like working together rather than a uh, instructor wow. telling you what to do. By the way, I, yeah, working together. I really appreciate how, yeah, that's it. 
It's so true. It really is a very validating and containing experience. I also, even when I work, I have some clients now that are still really more focused on the on the personal training level. And because they started a long time ago, we still continue with regular boxing. And I really feel for them. Like I, I always do the workouts with them. They like laugh. They're like, how many clients do you have in the day that you're squatting and using kettlebells? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just so much more fun to join the circuit. And that's part of, I, I like naturally do feel like that's the containment. It just flows so much better than that. So I really, I relate to that also on the fitness side of things. It's really, Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, Zoom was so funny like that, right? I really, I found myself going like, hello, oh, look, your form's so good, let's do it together. <laughs> like, it's really funny. Yes, totally. I do that and then I'll be like, oh, my shoulder's starting to burn and your shoulder's starting to burn, which I also love too because I feel like it creates uh, like space for people to, if they're feeling discomfort, I'll always disclose mine and I can't disclose fake discomfort if I'm just sitting there, you know? So that that was one of the big drivers for me for, for all of my programs for my strength training programs and my kickboxing programs I'm always doing it with them being like even I had a broken collarbone and I was still I was still like you guys this feels a little bit uncomfortable today but like, I'm still good my clients are like please don't hurt yourself I'm like please I need this <laughs> this is for me I too. Love that. no I really appreciate that I actually um I use a a little a scale a self-agitation scale I would say that I really got from kids kicking cancer um, cause I was volunteering with them. They ran a group for the elderly, which was so cool just to try out some of the, the techniques. Um, so I got to learn from one of the women who's doing it. And every week in the beginning, she says, how do you feel on a level of one to 10 assessing your own agitation, your own. Now that could mean anything that could mean feelings of physical feelings, emotional feelings. And, and we always, and she always said that, um, and asked that at the beginning of the session and she herself rated herself first. And then at the end of the session, and just to see how the impact was just right then and there in the moment. Now, the goals are hopefully to impact the rest of the day and the future. So it's not only about, you know, oh, you feel better after you work out, but but really that that kind of asking. And, and I really appreciated watching her say her own, you know, I'm a number this today. I'm a number three because, and it really opened the stage for everyone else to say, oh, wow, wait a minute. What I'm feeling before I start the class is important. Hold on a second. The fact that I skipped breakfast and had to run here, someone's listening and knows I feel a little like, uh, it, it was, it's really cool. So I, I, I'm incorporating that, um, in the eight week program. That's like how we start. That's how we finish and keeping the self disclosure part in it so that the volunteers are telling the participants also like, Hey, I feel like this as well. And I don't know. I think I believe in that. I love that. Um, I want to ask you before we end up running out of time, the core question of our podcast. So why in your experience, do you think that people do often say, you know, boxing saved my life or Krav Maga saved my life in your experience? It could be any martial art. Yeah, I love that question. And I think if you ask me every year, I'm going to have like a new uh, building block on the answer. Um, And currently I'm, I'm realizing just how much every human deserves the right to their own space, their own needs, their own life, and the ability to protect that and express it. And I believe that that's who that's who we are as humans to help other people. That's our goals. That's how, you know, you want to say on an animal level, like, you know, we work together and the ecosystem works, but we're we're human. We we know this. And and I believe that 
you know, maybe it's my root in Krav Maga, which is a system that was made for the Israeli army to keep 18 year old soldiers alive to send them back to their parents. Like that's what it's made from. And the, the value of like protect my brothers and myself is so strong. And so I believe that when a person learns not only the boxing part, which is how a lot of the sessions go. And, but when a person really learns deep inside that whatever situation they're about to be in the next moment, they have a power or a strength to do their best in it. I, I, I believe that that is what human nature is going towards. And I believe that that's what keeps us really knowing we can go on in our life. And if we're anxious, we can feel a little better. And so really about that, that self-defense piece. And, and that comes from not just learning, oh, my mind felt I was in trauma and I dissociated. And when I punched, I felt better. That's a, a, cog, a, a, a thought way of saying it. But when a person actually time and time again experiences and practices standing up straight and doing it and knowing that that's not just a thing they learn, but it's an automatic response. It's an automatic like, you know, that's I always say muscle memory in our mind and body is the only way this is going to work. But I believe that that's what truly creates that sense of self and safety and I don't know. I know it doesn't speak to everyone and some people are going to see it right away and go, I'm not hitting things. And great. There's a lot of other things that work for that person. So just like anything, it's, it might not be for everyone, but I think that everyone deserves that right to safety and, and their own sense of self to, to provide that. Yes. One, <laughs> one million times. Yes. The experiential piece I think is so important and it's different for everyone too. For some people it is like I used to dissociate and now experientially I know that I can choose, I can feel when I want to leave my body and I can choose to stay in it and keep boxing. And that means that in a life or death situation, I know I'm going to stay in my body and then make a decision. Maybe, you know, maybe the nervous system's going to take over and we, and we don't say like you 100% know what's going to happen. You know, I might freeze if somebody attacked me, you might freeze. But oh that when you have so much more evidence to the positive, it changes the way you walk around, changes the way you hold yourself because you know it's possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then and then it goes into like not just safety on the street, but how do you walk into a job interview when you know the fight, flight or freeze response and you understand it and you know why your body might choose one. By the way, that's a big part of martial arts is knowing that our automatic system does have a preference for each of these in different situations. So if we dissociate and we're more likely to freeze or fl or run, then the training in martial arts celebrates that. I actually celebrate. I'm like, great, you have your flight response as a natural. We're going to right now work on that and develop that. And people who naturally are going to run get that experience of feeling really good at it. Um, but I think that when we learn how to tap into those automatic, it helps us know that we can do whatever we need. Sometimes we need to run. Sometimes we need to freeze. Some, sometimes we need to just fight it out. And I really like that, actually. I think it's a... Uh, it teaches us how to do that because it's automatic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Danielle, how can people reach you online? If they're in Florida, how can they get involved with the new program? Tell everyone where you're at. So, okay. So right now, um, since this is like a worldwide thing, you can reach me um, either on Facebook, Danielle Popovitz Salber or Instagram, Danielle Pop Fitness. Um, also just email Danielle Salber at gmail.com. Um, there's a lot of Zoom options and different times that work for different um, time zones as far as joining an online class as well. 
Um, I really do appreciate when people from different areas join classes, even with the people right here in Israel, because it's been so powerful, us all sharing what type of traumas are happening. Um, and I really invite people to look out for Ready for Anything. Right now, um, we're forming the websites and, and the Instagram accounts that will go with it more specifically. Um, so stay tuned for, for that. And, and yeah, just, I don't know, I love speaking with both people that benefit from it and also different types of, you know, people offering this. So definitely be in touch even just to, to like further the conversation, which is the dream that I, I really live with. Amazing. We'll put all the details to all those in the show notes. And then if the websites and stuff are ready for anything come out, like we can add those in later for people who are listening back. But I think so long as you know, you're following you on one platform, then you'll hear about all these things. And like, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful and I'm so impressed with the work that you have already done. And I'm just so happy that you're going to continue doing it and spreading it across <laughs> the world. I think it's fantastic and so needed. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And back at you. I can't believe this. You're in Australia and every one of your words coming out. I'm like, yes, this is it. I'm so thankful that you are doing this podcast and that you can connect us, you know, not crazies, but right on who know what type of therapies can really help. So really feeling is so mutual. It's so cool. Have you thought of something to be grateful for today? What was it? I'm grateful for the amazing women that train with me at the Fight Back Project. I'm grateful for Nari and the beautiful song Shape Me heard at the beginning and end of every episode. And I'm grateful for you for listening to this show and helping martial arts keep saving lives. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to leave me a review to help more people find the show, that's a bonus. shapes me but me don't gotta tell you what my name is i don't gotta explain it walk in the room hear a boom erupting like i'm famous i'm here shedding shells i'm shameless i fear nothing no complacence Walk to many tight ropes with no hope, so I became this poster they hold over all the heads of trauma holders. You don't need to know my history, I move boulders. Atlas shrug, cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders. No pretense of defense, move first like chess soldiers. This goes deeper than empowerment, cause huh, I'm the one to power it. Physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring. If I can't change the scenery, at least I change perspectives. No longer isolated, but elevated and selective. Darkest places become beautiful spaces. This is where rage meets patience. Meets power meets gracious. Meets, we're so glad you came in. The feeling is contagious. When you the walking impact of intended bad intentions. When you the manifest enough collecting all they tensions. You the soul and body hold it all and still remember. But I'm a work in progress, testament to all contenders. Forgot what it was like to have control over self. Forgot what it was like to be the one in charge. Forgot in my reflection, I can see all my wealth. Forgot that with my bare hands, I break all these bars, barriers, and obstacles. They can't cage me, they can't chronicle all my, all my experiences and reduce them to appearances. 
When I was truly beaten, gave myself clear resist to fall down, mess up, and get myself back up. I'm not looking for clovers, cause I don't believe in luck. Damn, you were badass, I heard them say it clearly. Why, thank you very much, I know now I'm not weary of what's next for me, cause I expect to see growth like I was planted, watered, fed, and bloomed to be the positivity and accountability. Knowing they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency. I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin. Boundaries, I know them well. Take a breath and meditate. Who is she? I know her well. Now I get to open gates. One, two, one, two. I don't need your permission. And if you get uncomfortable, then use your intuition to know that I won't stay where respect is ever missing. And everything I do, that's me making decisions. It's truly underrated the value of self worth. Forgot that I was rich from the moment of my birth. A penny for my thoughts, no, really, you can't afford it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it, huh?